0: This is my instant reaction to Halloween Kills. If I had to do exact math on David Gordon Green's 2018 reboot, soft, legacy, sequel, prequel, whatever the fuck, I would say it's a three-to-one ratio. Exact math here, folks. Three-to-one ratio, good to bad. Right. For every three parts good, there's one part bad, in my estimation. I just got out of a screen of Halloween Kills, hence the slight delay in the release of this. But if I had
1: to say the ratio here might just be the converse of that. It might be for
0: every one good thing, there's three bad things. And I, I
1: think to be fair, I'd probably say the ratio is more like every. Uh, well, it's tough. Uh, I'm
0: going to get into my reactions here. It's going to be a spoiler free first half, spoiler filled second half. Then I'm also going to be doing a guest appearance, Lord Willing and the Creek Don't Rise, on The Real Spoilers. And that should come out uh, sometime next week, I would think, uh, from the point that you're, I'm putting this out there into the world, which should be uh, Friday, October 15th in the United States. Um, within a week's time, that episode should be up at Real Spoilers. We're going to go for a blow for blow, beat for beat, kill for kill spoiler-filled uh, summary of Halloween Kills, and I'm sure I'm going to get into it with Joe from Real Spoilers because he is a uh, Halloween fanatic, so that should be fun.
1: Um, what do you say about this movie? Um, there are some parts of it, from a
0: technical perspective, direction perspective, cinematography perspective I think it's outstanding I think the score is weaker here unfortunately for Carpenter and Carpenter Jr. Jr. and some other guy I think the score is uh, not as good and not as memorable other than a few moments there's a few moments in this movie where I think the score is phenomenal it's not bad but it's just it's not as evocative and memorable and as um uh uh, sensory spine tingling as the 2018 reprise that carpenter did um you know here well let's start here if you're familiar with the series this is essentially halloween 2 and halloween 4 i want to say uh kind of redone maybe with some parts of five um including a shout out of i think the title uh or the title of six but it's, it's really, and I'm hoping they're not going in the direction I think they might be going, which is going to be. <sighs> <Ugh>.
1: um, <laughs> I. Uh, it, it, Halloween 2 picks up immediately after the events
0: of Halloween. So does this one. This picks up immediately after the events of Halloween 2018. It's the same night, the same night Michael came back to Haddonfield again. Um. The strength of the 2018 film is that it spent a lot of time building characters. And the character in the center focus was really a duality of leads, right? It was uh, uh, the young daughter, Allison, and the you know, really three generations of women. But it was, it was Lori, Karen, and her daughter, Allison. And it was really centered around this relationship between grandmother and granddaughter with the mom kind of in the fray, and then she snaps into focus towards the end of the film. And it was about human relationships and so forth and so on. At the same time, then it's about this relentless shark-like predator killer who's on the loose again. And uh, I will say that Michael Myers was filled with menace and dread, and it became a very frightening figure again. Um... And the movie was successful for the most part in its kills because for the most part, the characters didn't behave stupidly. This film, first, right off the rip, the characters behave as characters in a bad 80s horror movie sequels do. The fodder of this film, every single corpse that ends up in dead in this movie, strewn on a gurney, Hope you like gurneys. I would have to imagine this movie was at least partially subsidized by a gurney manufacturer. Because you're going to see a shit ton of them. I mean, you know, I, I think if, if, you know, time out. Let's go down this little rabbit hole for a second. If you're going to have product placement in movies, if you're going to, why not have a product placement for funeral homes and horror films? Just it, Or at least organ donation, right? Like a PSA where it's like, you know, don't forget to donate your organs. Um, And I hope you like organs because this is uh, one of the goriest uh, Halloween films ever. It was it is on par with the goriest of the Friday the 13th films and in fact I would make the argument that Michael Myers in this film feels a hell of a lot more like Jason Voorhees than The Shape. The problem here as opposed to the strength of the 2018 film is that there are no characters in focus. Laurie is and reasonably so based on the Sheer hell she went through in the third act of the 2018 film, um, you know, she's incapacitated. She's on the sidelines for the vast majority of this film, just like in Halloween 2. The, the gore and the violence has stepped up, just like in Halloween 2. Um, there's a knowing twist and meta-commentary on it uh, of, you know, and, and, and in some sense, there's some of the... Dangling questions and perceptions of the first film of the 2018 Halloween, the first film in this trilogy, that really didn't kind of make sense that then go answered because there's characters who in the 2018 version of the film don't have certain conversations, but they have those conversations here. The movie is overly reliant upon the 1978 film, This Halloween Kills, pronouns bow, is overly relying on the 1978 Halloween and the 2018 Halloween, okay? It is overly reliant to the point of it has to give us multiple flashbacks. Flashbacks within flashbacks within flashbacks. And as a rule of thumb, when you have to have that many flashbacks, it typically means that your script and your writing and your storytelling, you're trying to do too much. Because you're trying to catch the audience up on all of these ideas and Different stuff that you're playing around with, and I would say that this film is bookended by two crutches for bad writing. The first one is overuse of flashbacks. We flash back to '78. We flash back to events that didn't happen. This sort of this sort of uh, interstitial stuff that it's only referenced in the 2018 version. So we have a kind of an expansion of the end of the original Halloween. Um, I thought all that stuff was actually handled masterfully. It was done very well on a technical level. I mean, I'm sure if you put them side by side, it wouldn't be seamless. But as you're sitting there watching it in isolation, it feels and looks as if you're back into the original film. And uh, it makes sense. And I, and that's, that is that, that one part out of the three or whatever that's really well done. That's a very strong part. And so and we see a re- sort of just a reprisal of a lot of things and and without getting into spoilers there's just certain things are just like just really well done about that it was just executed at the highest level and i found that stuff was like really engaging and really enjoy joy, i really enjoyed a lot of that but we keep going back and we keep going back and at a certain point we go we get flashbacks to flashbacks they've already showed us it's like, what? Why are you flashing back and reminding the audience of a scene you just showed them in another flashback? It just, that's just always bad storytelling, folks. It's just not good. The back end of the film is, is buttressed by another crutch of bad storytelling and bad script writing, which is monologuing. And it's not even a monologue. At this point, it's soliloquies. It is the dark night ending, which is shit. Your boy was just had a gun, a revolver put to his head by a friend of yours who has had half of his body blown up and looks like a monster and was flipping a coin for the kid's life. And just by the skin of Batman's teeth, your kid is spared. Your marriage is on the rise. Like everything's in shambles, the city's in ruins. And Gordon goes on this, he'll be, you know, he'll endure and he'll do this. And it's like, you're not even answering the question the kid asked you. It's just, it's this ham-fisted, badly written, first year theater school, you know, screenwriter bullshit. That no human being talks like that. Even when human beings are trying to be profound, they don't sound like that. This movie has that in spades. The entire third act is just all of a sudden, bumfuck characters from Haddonville, Illinois, just start monologuing, soliloquying uh, philosophically about the nature of good and evil. And, you know, you expect it from a Loomis because Loomis has spent 20 years with that guy,
1: or however long it's been, right? I guess it's what, 15 years or something like that? You know, nearly 20 years. Loomis is a doctor.
0: Loomis is an educated man. Loomis has been nearly driven insane in his obsession of trying to prove to the world that Michael Byers is not a misunderstood little boy. He's evil incarnate. There's something other, there's anotherness to it. So it makes sense that Donald Pleasence, of all people, as Dr. Samuel Lewis would go on some long kind of rant, you know, um, it's also, uh, you know, it's, 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 the, it's no different than Quinn or Quint and jaws. Right. I've just sort of, gee, hey, chief, you know, I wonder, if man, went into the water and I'll never wear our life again. I tell you that cheap like that, like there's a, a difference when one of those characters says that, right. But when every character starts breaking out into, wow, 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 it's just all of a sudden you're not in a film. You're not in the world of the movie anymore.
1: You're in movie land. And sandwiched in between there are between those two kind of shit bookends
0: um, are some winks and nods and returns and regurgitations of some of the best moments of the 2018 film. And they don't land at all. they they just it's this dull. And uh, there's one moment in particular, which to me is a fist pump moment of the 2018 film. And they bring it back here and it just doesn't fucking land at all. And um, I think what ultimately is supposed to be a cathartic moment in the film, it, it, it can't be a cathartic moment because you know that there's a third one on the way. You know there's a trilogy planned, so you never for a second believe. You never have that that momentary catharsis that then gets ripped away from you, and you're shocked, and oh my God. And then on top of that, the characters do a bunch of stupid stuff. On top of that, the bad humor elements of the first film are back, only this time they're sort of tamped down, and they're not funny at all. There's nothing, there's not a single... There, there is a, a protracted element in the second act, I guess you'd say, between two characters. They have these, like, I guess there's a running gag because of the names of the two characters. And it doesn't work at all. It's not funny. And nothing those characters do is believable at all whatsoever. It is not the 2021 equivalent of the Julian scene that we got, which about organic and natural and had a kid with some kind of charisma. None of that exists in this movie. It's a darker film overall. It's a way gorier film overall. It is a more cynical film overall. Um, there are some elements in it where it's dealing with a, a theme, uh, which I think is really powerful. And had they actually built this movie out around that theme and focused on actual characters, because we're trying to keep track of the three women, the the Strode trilogy, right? The Strode, the, the three generations of. Lori, her daughter, and her daughter's daughter, or try to keep track of them and a development of what they're experiencing after the, this confrontation with Michael Myers,
1: and rightfully so. But then we're bringing in one, two, three, four, three or four, no, four characters from the 78 film,
0: adding multiple more characters, bringing back at least two characters from the um, 2018 film. Then we bring back another character from the 78 film. Then we bring back another character from the 2018 film. And this movie doesn't spend any time really developing them. There's one scene in particular, uh, it's a Tommy Doyle scene, where literally Tommy Doyle just recounts to the audience the events of the original Halloween I shit you not, he then grabs a spotlight and points it at each of the individual returning characters and explains what their role was in the movie that none of you saw because you're too young. And just because you wink and nod at it and you assume that the audience of the film is like the audience that Tommy is telling the story of, which is that they are too young to remember Halloween, you already did all that in 2018. You already refresh the memory or educated a new generation. That's why their ass is in the seats for the sequel. So you, you spend so much time regurgitating and reestablishing and re-storytelling
1: the story you've already goddamn rebooted that none of these returning characters are
0: fleshed out at all. So I don't know why they act the way that they do. I'm just supposed to believe it because 40 years ago, something bad happened to them, and they're traumatized. But again, Lori Lori Stroh, we spent time understanding her and how she processed that trauma, and we saw the complexities of it. We saw her weakness. We saw the rage, the anger, but we saw the love and the tenderness and the care. We saw her like trying to be a good grandma at dinner night. And like when her granddaughter gets like the Honor Society Award or whatever, and she just can't pull it together. And we see fragility and weakness, and there's a complexity. That's what makes that movie so good. And you could apply that same kind of logic to these other characters, which would ultimately give their function and purpose in the story some more meaning because. They actually carry the bulk of the theme of what this movie is about, which is ultimately it's about fear and how fear is this unstoppable force. And when it's unleashed, it poisons everybody around it and leads people into irrationality. Okay. But where the majority of that story is told, not exclusively, but where the majority of that story is told, is it all these like random returning characters from the original Halloween and from the 2018 soft reboot? But we none of those characters get any focus whatsoever. None of those characters are developed. And instead we get flashbacks and monologues and explanations and flashbacks, the flashback that we just saw ten minutes previous, and it's just sloppy ass writing. And that's what this comes down to. The acting is on par. The direction is on par. It's a bad script. It's a bad
1: script not because it has bad ideas. It's a bad script because it's under... It's under... Realized and overly complicated. I think
0: they're just trying to do too many things. They're trying to be an extension of the original trilogy... They're trying to be a continuation of the 2018 thing, and they're also trying to be a bridge to the next film. And because of that, all of these things that uh, could work on their own, when you put them together, they seem to really kind of clash, and it just ends up being a mixed bag kind of a mess. And really what it is, it's, it's the ratio is completely off. So it's not a terrible film. It's just not good. I would say it's a pretty mediocre film with some good moments. It's that's what I would say. I think it's it's not scary. It's it's ironically, now that he's just full blown Jason Voorhees, you know, pre zombie Voorhees, right? Like he's just going around and just absolutely massacring people. That fear is gone. Like, you know. There is nothing in this movie that's as good or as intense or scary as uh, some of the best moments of the 2018 film. So I would, I would, I think if I had to put an equivalent on it, I would go back to where I started, which is this is Halloween 2 to Carpenter's original Halloween. This, this is as that to the 2018 film. It's got some moments,
1: it's got some ideas. Some of them are good. Some of them are stupid. Relatively well made. But
0: overall, it's just, it doesn't hold a candle to the one that preceded it. So I'm going to get into spoilers
1: now in five, four, three, two, one spoilers. Okay. uh, If you're listening at this point, it's because you don't give a shit or you've already seen the movie.
0: Sidelining Laurie Strode makes logistical and logical sense because she is uh, damn near dead or should be at the very least at the end of Halloween 2018. There's, I think there's a little bit of a retcon though, because all of a sudden she's just profusely bleeding out. And i just watched that movie and I, I am not saying I'm, I'm right. I just, I don't remember her bleeding out like that, but um, you know, and then she's incapacitated, right? She's her life really isn't a danger at any point in the film. Um, I, I thought the most powerful stuff in the entire movie was the riot. And here's the thing. This movie, I think, was done in the can and set to be released before the uh, January 6th insurrection. And my mind just kept flashing back to the African-American capital officer who's on a stairwell full of white, absolutely terrified white rednecks, white conservatives. Uh, Around the country, I can't even say they're all rednecks, but who are just whipped into a frenzy and are it's all fear, fear of the other, fear of their neighbor, fear of the government, fear of just fear of everything. And there's one African American man who is like begging and pleading and trying to fight people off to keep him up from keep him from getting in the stairwell. And that moment plays out almost beat for beat in this film. Which, again, I have to believe, I think it was completed before January 6th, 6th because it was supposed to come out last Halloween. I don't imagine they did reshoot. Um, that whole hospital scene just plays out as so much of what we've seen around the country with mob mentality, vigilante justice. Right? We're tired of being abused. We're tired of whatever. We're tired of living in fear. And so we're going to channel our fear into anger and hatred. And the result of that anger and hatred is the death of a, not just innocent man, but a mentally ill man. You know, and that once you whip a mob into a frenzy,
1: there's no amount, it's not a lot. People don't join lynch mobs logically. It's a primal
0: instinct inside of them. And so you can't, you can't reason people out of lynch mob mentality because they're not thinking rationally. It's, more, it's the lizard brain, the primitive brain that's taken over. I thought that was the best stuff of the movie other than the uh, early 70s, the, the kind of extended cold open of the film. I think it all would have made so much more sense and worked so much better had Tommy Doyle been actually a character and not just a a bizarro vigilante. Because you think about it, we know nothing about this guy. Is he married? Does he have kids? What happened to his life? I know that he's kind of big and um, scarred by this event, and Halloween fucks him up, which of course would make sense. And I know that he's got an attachment to... Lori, in some sense, which of course would make sense. And he drives a ship, ship box. That's all I know about him. Same thing goes for Lindsay. Same thing goes for Nurse Chambers. Same thing goes for two random fucking characters who end up venturing on. And the whole idea, we talked about this when we talked with Paul uh, on our Halloween episode. And if you haven't listened to that, we covered the Halloween sequels uh, this time last year. Uh, I think it's Halloween Four, whatever, wh- wh- whatever the one is, where <clears throat> um the mob goes out, and at least I think it's Halloween Four, where the mob goes out and tries to. They're like, "Fuck this, we're tired of it. We're tired of this fucking guy coming in this town and killing us. We're gonna go after him." and end up killing a kid in a bush who's dressed like Michael Myers, so it's like Ben Tramer two point or whatever. And I remember saying at the time that this is an un- this is an interesting concept and an underutilized idea in that film. I thought this movie was going to explore that more, but it's definitely marketed on that. And it's kind of the setup, but nothing really comes of it. If we're going to go out and we're going to find Michael ourselves, nothing really comes of it. And they kind of go out and do it, but you don't see, there's no like widespread communication. There's no plan. There's no like, we're going to go street by street, block by block. There's a better way to do that, right? You know, with a little bit more organization and allowing this thing to breathe, and allowing for more character development. That doesn't take anything away from Michael stabbing the, the, the cemetery caretaker with a halogen light bulb that, you know, or incandescent or uh, uh, fluorescent light bulb, right? It doesn't stop any of that. You could still have the gore and the viscera and the I'm going to squeeze Big John's eyes out of his head and all that shit. But you could have taken the time to tell a story about these characters. How does the trauma resonate in Lindsay differently than it resonates in Tommy Doyle versus Nurse Chambers? Why is Nurse Chambers even there? I wasn't under the impression that she's from, what, Smith's Grove, the, the sanitarium? I didn't think she lived in Haddonfield. So why the fuck is she there? There's all of these, like, some of the bad tendencies of the 2018 film, like uh, when Cameron calls Oscar on the phone, it go, we hear it go to voicemail, but cut to Cameron's voice coming out of the phone as the guy's hung up by his fucking, uh, the, 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 the gate through his mouth. Well, the fence. How does that fucking make sense? We heard it go to voicemail. The last I knew, your voicemail doesn't just play out loud. doesn't suddenly switch to speakerphone. There's several things like that in this movie where you're just like, ah, oh, fuck, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go in here alone, you know? And it's like, you know, okay, then we're going to go in after you because we are a gunshot. And then we're going to, of course, going to split up. And then, of course, I'm going to put down my weapon to pick up a knife, which it kind of quasi makes sense. But just in enough time to get you fucking killed. And then just like all oh, of this shit, man. And it's just. And the Lori Strode character is about three different people in this movie. You know, and I get it. Like, if she thinks that Michael's dead, then her guard is down and kind of maybe the more loving, funny Laurie Strode. Still damaged, but more of the... I guess what I w- I, how I would summarize it is I don't think Jamie Lee Curtis is Laurie Strode in this movie. I think she's Jamie Lee Curtis. And by the end of the film, when, she, when her and the fucking sheriff and three other people are going on these long goddamn monologues about evil and all this so evil dies tonight and we have to be the ones that. it's like so muddled what the fuck the story even is our fear <clears throat> our fear of my there's a what, bracket comes back and it just literally goes he's made us into the to, to the monsters now and it's like no subtlety in the writing whatsoever human beings don't talk like this and when you put dialogue like that like we're the monsters now that's like a Twilight Zone ending, right? Where, how do we summarize this moral lesson we just learned? In a movie where, like, a, 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 a straight actor plays a gay man and gets his eyes gouged out. And he's
1: Big John and Little John, which is just a fucking terrible joke. Is this not funny at all? And, you know, meanwhile, you've got two or three different themes that are in this. What do we do with trauma? What do we do with fear?
0: Unexplored. You know, and then the end is certainly there's artistic choice of and they're going in a particular direction, which is uh, Karen shows up at uh, the Myers house and rescues her daughter by grabbing Michael's mask and saying, I'm just a scared woman. Come and get me. And he follows her and he chases her. And um, the mob then shows up and it was a trap. And she says, gotcha again. And it does not play the same way at all. It doesn't have any of the same feeling or bravado or like fuck yeah or relief or catharsis because
1: I don't give a shit about anybody who's on my screen. It just, none of these characters matter. Not a one of them.
0: I don't care anymore about these characters. It it, it feels like a third of this movie is missing. It's bizarre. And it feels like that third is spent on fucking flashbacks. And a lot of those flashbacks are to the 2018 movie.
1: Like, it's just, it's, it's just a bad script. It's a, it's a, it's a bad script with some great parts in it. Some
0: great ideas. It just felt like it it needed to revise less or a hell of a lot more. I, I, I don't know which is which to be honest with you, but you know, then then we cut to this long monologue about how no man could have survived. It doesn't even sound like Laurie Strode. It just looks like Jamie Lee Curtis is sitting on the edge of a bed narrating the end of the movie about no, but no human man. And every time he is supposed to die and he doesn't, he comes back even stronger. And, you know, he's, and she's kind of going Loomis, which would kind of make sense, but not really. And. Now he's supernatural again because we watched him get beat and beat and beat and beat and and stabbed and shot and fucked up by what, 25
1: people? Somehow he grabs the knife out of himself and kills Hackett or Brackett, rather.
0: So Brackett's finally dead, kills everybody in the, the group, kills Tommy Doyle. We're cutting to three different scenes.
1: We're cutting to, okay. This, this will perfectly summarize the film. Karen is with the mob at, on, on the
0: edges, and the mob is getting, getting their licks in on Mike. Michael's getting his comeuppance. And Lori is in the hospital, and she's talking to conveniently to um, Hawkins. Uh, who did not die apparently at the end of 2018, which I was fine with. That that kind of I was fine with that. And I thought they did a good job explaining why he's still alive, and all of his background stuff. I thought was I liked all of that. I thought that was really well done uh, on a technical and a storytelling level. I thought it was I thought it was really well done. Um, up into the point where he starts re-narrating the events, and I feel like they used the same take twice on a line he delivered, which is just bizarre. It was. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Anyway,
1: uh, (laughs) so, by the way, this is a sequel to the highest grossing horror movie of all time. So, okay then. All right, so, um, yada, 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 yada. So, we're cutting to Hawkins and Lori
0: in the hospital, in the same room, of course, talking about death and evil and Michael and fear and mob mentality and poisoning the city or the town or whatever cut to now Karen is not part of the mob after she grabs a knife and stabs him in the back several times and yada 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 she's not there anymore inexplicably she's on the porch of the Myers home with her daughter cut to Michael lay on the ground and everybody around him there's so many fucking instances where somebody is beating this shit out of Michael and just stop for no apparent reason. And Michael somehow gets the knife out of himself, pops back up, starts killing everybody. As Lori is narrating, as Hawkins is narrating, as Karen and Allison are on the porch, then Karen for inexplicably gets up, sees the ghost of six-year-old Michael in the window, which they just hammer that fucking point home again and again with no subtle dialogue whatsoever about he was looking out and maybe he wasn't, maybe he was looking inward and just like nobody fucking talks like that. You know, Loomis talks like that. He's a crazed psychotherapist,
1: psychiatrist. That's why he talks like that. And he's fucking Donald Pleasants and you're not. So, anyway, so. <laughs> Cut
0: to, cut to, cut to, cut to, cut to. Karen then goes up in the room. Tommy Doyle's killed, which I guess makes the entire ending of the first film pointless now. And then Michael's not killing Tommy Doyle. He's up in that room,
1: apparently fully supernatural now, and apparently kills Karen. Cut to. Lori, cut from Karen getting slashed to a bunch of different shit to.
0: Lori in the window of the hospital, looking out her hospital room. Cut to cut to cut to cut to cut to Halloween kills. End of movie. And that that's a perfect example of what's going on here, which is like we're trying to tell a story about vigilante justice, continuing the Lori Strode trauma, kind of trying to connect them, but not really connecting them very well. Just simply using monologues to try to connect them, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. And and then then cut to Trying to bring back, you know, just a gore fest with Michael, cut to bringing back the past. So it's three or four different scripts seemingly, or stories that we're trying to tell, and in a more successful film, you bring all those points together until they interlocked in a very satisfying way, and this movie fails to do so. So if I had to give this movie a score out of 10, and I had to recommend it or not, I would say, you're a hardcore Halloween fan, you're already going to see this movie. If you are a casual Halloween fan or a fan of maybe the 2018 film or the original, it's likely you're going to see this movie. I here's what I would say I would say this movie's a hundred percent worth it. If you can get Peacock for a month or whatever it is and pay your $4.99 or 10 bucks or whatever it is, fucking stream the thing, watch it. I don't think it's worth the full price of admission, it's an incomplete story. It's a bridge movie. It has entertaining entertaining moments and good performances, and it's well-directed, but it feels half-baked and over-baked at the same time. It is a bad script that's trying to do way too much and doesn't do any of the things that made its predecessor successful. It is not a bad movie. It's another mediocre horror sequel. So if I give it a score at a 10, I don't know. I'd probably give it about a seven out of 10. That's where I'd put it. If I had to give the 2018 a rating out of 10, I'd probably give it somewhere like an eight, 8.5. This is about a seven. So that's where I'd put it. It's not a miserable experience, but frustrating one. So those are my thoughts on 2021s, I guess is what we're going to call it. Halloween Kills by David Gord Green. Um, Let's hope the script for the next one is better. Last I knew they hadn't shot it yet, I hope that they um, mine their P's and Q's and learn their lessons and get back to form because this thing stinks. And if I have the inkling that they're going to maybe try to rehabilitate some of the Curse of Thorn sort of shit, and fuck me, man. We just don't need it. So, um... Anyway, uh, let me know what your thoughts are. You can follow us on Twitter at Binge Movies. You can always email the show, BingeMovies, at gmail.com. You can find us on Letterboxd, letterboxd letterboxd.com, backslash Binge Movies. You can uh, go to Threadless and go to BingeMovies.threadless.com. Get some Binge Movies merch. we got a variety of shirts and other stuff available for you. Uh, It helps support the show. Every little dollar counts. You can become a Binge Movies member at BingeMovies.podbean.com, three ninety nine a month, and uh, it entitles you to perks and benefits, and that's going to be an ever expanding list of benefits. So uh, now's the time to get on board with that. You can also, if you don't want to become a, a a member on a monthly basis, and you want to like kind of skip the line, you can actually sponsor episodes, and you can sponsor either a feature presentation review, which is we do a deep dive. On one single film of your choice, as long as we haven't covered it previously on the show. Or you can do a ranking episode, which means you can just say, hey, here's a theme, you pick the movies, or here's the movies, somehow try to cobble together a theme. so You can sponsor the episode, and we will, of course, uh, dedicate to you, put it on the main feed, and all that great jazz. Uh, so, got a couple of those coming up before the end of the year. I got a ranking episode and at least one feature presentation review. Um, I've got, uh, if you're a fan of the Halloween series, I have a bonus feature. It's going to come out the week of Halloween with Joey Butts, B-U-T-T-S. Is that, What's your Twitter handle, Joe? Uh, anyway, over for Real Spoilers, where we went through very kind of loose ranking conversation about Carpenter's experience uh, trying to make movies of the 90s. Uh, so that kind of closes out. It's the volume three of a three-volume set that I did. Um, The the other two should be available in the archives, but they may have slipped off in the sands of time. Another great reason to become a member is my hope and my goal moving forward in the future is that we make the entire archive available to uh, our Binge Movies members. So that'd be pretty exciting, pretty cool. Maybe you have some of your favorite episodes or episodes you haven't gotten to, you can revisit them. Anyway, uh, also the Halloween week, our next season, season 6.4, The last ranking season for the year to select the next movie to be inducted into the vault is coming out. And we're kicking it off with a major horror movie franchise just in time for Halloween. The Nightmare on Elm Street series. I am joined again by uh, the host with the most uh, other than me. Host with the second most, I think it's fair to say. Which is, (laughs) uh, I kid. Which is Paul from the Countdown Movie and Interior Reviews podcast um so that's going to be exciting also coming out next tuesday just after this episode is going to be Q3 state of cinema with Kevin Brackett. Uh, that's going to be a good one as well so we've got all kind of content coming your way um, it's it's uh, exciting times around here at binge movies mostly i want to to i want to hear what you have to say about this leave us a five star review on apple podcast tell us what you like about the show but do me a favor tell me what you liked or didn't like about Halloween kills. Do you think I'm off base? If so, uh, let me know, uh, hit us up on Twitter or, uh, the classic Gmail account. So uh, I appreciate you listening. And of course, until next time, binge on.